0: Of basketball with Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack.
1: What is up, Wolfpack? Thanks for tuning into our midweek show featuring the future Nevada Hall of Famer Cody Fajardo. I'm Jordan Burns here with Garrett Hirshberg. We conducted this interview a few weeks back, and we were waiting for a week to add it into our show, but figured this would be a much better way of doing it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. hello hello oh hey cody thank you yeah no problem how's it going good uh yeah so thanks for calling into the studio how's the retreat going
0: oh it's going well first day down so it's been going very well where's the retreat taking place uh niagara falls
1: oh very cool must be beautiful out there
0: yeah it's beautiful It's getting chilly but it's beautiful has it snowed yet no not yet we've been blessed with some good weather actually
1: Oh, that's great. Well, we don't want to take, you, uh, take too much of your time, so let's get started real quick. Um, so, how would you describe your time at Nevada?
0: Oh, man, I loved it. I, I thought, you know, coming out of high school, and I narrowed my three down to Nevada, Nebraska, and Arizona. Um, as soon as I took my official visit there, and they showed me around the campus, and they showed me Lake Tahoe and everything— I just fell in love with the city, the school, and everything, the community and all the people around it. And um, I look back to it this day as one of the greatest decisions I've made.
2: As a kid from Orange County, how did you deal with the first winter?
0: Oh, man, I uh, I remember going up there, and the only cold-weather gear I had was given to me from the team. So I had, like, a hoodie sweatshirt and a pair of sweats. And I wore those things till the threads were coming out until I finally convinced myself, okay, I'm in a real winter, so, I need to go out and buy some real winter clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, Gary and I both had the same experience. I'm from San Jose, California, and he's from Orange County. So, we know how you feel coming in uh, to a, a, a snowy place for the first time.
0: Yeah, no, I see everyone walking around with these big jackets and stuff. And it was, I think it was like late October when people started pulling out their jackets. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And then when we got to like December, January, and like uh, early February, I was like way out of my range. You know, I knew that I needed some more weather, uh, cold weather gear. So I went to the store, I bought, you know, a bunch of jackets and then a bunch of pants. And then the winter after that was like, wasn't even as cold. So, you know, I have all this cold weather gear and it, it ended up not being as cold the following
2: year. Yeah. It's not the flip flops and shorts in the middle of January and December like we're used to in Southern California no doubt
1: (laughs) and i bet it's the same way in toronto too
2: yeah
0: yeah luckily our season runs from uh, may to about november middle november so these last couple games it's been a little chilly but right when it gets cold i head back and i'm out i'm out of here so i get to miss the super cold weather and and go back to just the cold weather in reno
1: (laughs) oh perfect timing then uh
0: yeah exactly
1: so looking back at your time in nevada what was the biggest moment for you
0: Oh, man, probably um, my senior year winning the uh, the Cannon back. After losing it my junior year, I was, you know, in the dumps. Our whole team was in the dumps. And just the one thing I realized was being one of the first quarterbacks to lose to UNLV, I was also had the opportunity to be one of the first quarterbacks to bring the Cannon back to the University of Nevada. And, you know, my senior, senior year, we ended up beating UNLV pretty handily at their place, and, and nothing was more special than that.
1: Were you there when they painted the cannon blue?
0: I was, yeah. Yeah, and they broke it. They were riding it in in their locker room. And it was just, you know, we were really upset about it. And we knew, or at least I knew, that I had another year, another crack at them, and that before I left the University of Nevada that that cannon was going to be blue.
1: So you were one of two people in NCAA history with 9,000 passing yards and 3,000 rushing yards in your career. Uh, joined with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, what is it that dual-threat quarterbacks have so much success, and, and why does Nevada seem to do best behind leadership of a mobile quarterback?
0: Yeah, you know, that honor is, is awesome. And, and I, what I think is the coolest thing about that honor is both of us are obviously from the same university, and I think that's cool, and it, and it kind of speaks as what we get done at the University of Nevada. or a blue-collar school where we just go out there and we just play football. Um, I think dual-threat quarterbacks, what they bring to the table is, as a defense or a defense coordinator, you have to defend all 11 guys on the field. Sometimes with the quarterback who just sits in the pocket, you can get away with only rushing three guys and dropping everyone into coverage. But with a mobile quarterback, you have to make sure to have your um, gaps protected because once the quarterback starts running, it could be pretty deadly.
1: That's true. You definitely were a a deadly mobile quarterback uh, your time here in Nevada.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I tried to be as long as my body held up to it. Um, that was definitely the number one uh, thing for me was keep my body at least healthy. And, and I give Colin credit all the time. The guy ran so much, and I never saw that guy injured. And, you know, I, I was plagued with a couple injuries through my career, but that guy's uh, on a whole different level because he was able to run more than I was and get away with it healthy.
1: When you were here at Nevada, did you ever talk with Colin Kaepernick? Did he ever give you any advice? Oh, um, I did, yeah. We we
0: talked a lot. And then, um, you know, obviously I feel like he. a lot of people got his number, so he changed his number frequently, more frequently. I think he was changing it like once a month because people were getting his number. But uh, when I was going through the whole process of leaving college, going through the NFL Combine and all that stuff, I, I really leaned on him a lot. And he gave me a lot of wisdom, a lot of good thoughts and, and things I needed to prepare for leading into uh, my professional career.
1: So did, did a lot of his advice help you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Because the quarterback position is just so different. Um, I, one of my best friends is Joel Batonio, and I would ask him a lot, of, a lot of questions. But from an offensive lineman standpoint to a quarterback standpoint, there's a lot of different things that coaches are looking for, or asking when it comes to the combine, or, or when you meet with certain teams. So it was nice to have another quarterback who's had success in the NFL and who's gone through it to kind of lean on in that situation.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he was uh, really helped you motivate you guys because you guys are very similar in the way that you played here in Nevada. I mean, as you said before, Colin Kaepernick was on an incredible level, especially with like his physicality. But uh, I'm sure you guys had a lot of conversations about uh, just quarterback style because you guys are so similar.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and that was another reason why I chose Nevada is one, they had the pistol offense and two, I watched Colin Kaepernick, I think my first visit to Nevada, it was the spring game, and I just watched him, and I was like, whoa, I want to play like that guy, and it was just pretty cool just to sit back and see how he manipulated the pistol offense, and I I knew that's what I wanted to be a part of. I knew that he was going to be graduating soon, and that the starting quarterback position was going to be up for grabs, and thanks to you know God, he put me in the right position at the right time, and I was able to take over as a four-year starter.
1: That's incredible. Have you been uh, staying up to date with the current team at all?
0: I have, yeah, as much as I can. Unfortunately, we don't get much of uh, United States coverage up here in Canada, but I've been tracking on my computer, and any chance there on like ESPN or ESPN2, I end up trying to watch uh, the game. So I definitely have been keeping up with those guys.
1: So what do you think of the new team?
0: Oh, man, I think they got grit. I think they got fight.
1: I think a lot
0: of things didn't go their way and they've played their butts off, Um, you know, these last, especially these last two games scoring tons of points and just losing in heartbreak fashion. And that kind of wears on a team, but as an alumnus and I know a lot of people feel the same way, it's pretty encouraging to see how this team continues to fight and continue to lay everything on the field week in and week out.
1: Yeah. The last couple of weeks have been a little disappointing. I mean, we've been, playing on all, all cylinders on offense playing 110 percent i'd have to say but we have been coming up short um have you talked to ty Ganji or anyone recently um a little bit i reached out to ty Ganji earlier in the year when he um
0: when he was benched and i just kind of told him you know what keep your head up you're going to get another opportunity soon and he ended up getting his opportunity and things worked out really well for him and and I'm so happy for him. I think he's a baller. Um, I say it all the time on social media and to everyone I talk to that Ty gangi is a baller and, and he's going to make plays. And I, and I think he's playing at a really high level right now and he's making everybody better. The thing about the quarterback position is you have to make the whole team better. And I think he's doing that. And you can tell by how competitive we are.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you said before, Ty gangi his perseverance is out of this world. I mean, he's been through some, some things in his career or hes I'm surprised he still stands, but he, he knows that he's, that he's got it. He knows that he's a good quarterback, um, and I'm glad to see him back out there throwing the ball.
0: Yeah, confidence is big when you play the quarterback position, and a lot of guys would fold under that pressure or under the scrutiny that he's had being benched uh, for a freshman. I mean, that's tough, and he kind of kept his head held high. He supported the guys when the other guys got their chance, and when he got his opportunity, he's made the most of it. And I, I think, obviously, he's going to be our quarterback going forward from here on out. And uh, he's just making everyone think, wow, we should have probably played him all year.
1: Yeah, I definitely think Norvell's is thinking, why did I ever question this guy? Because uh, he's on fire right now. And I think that if, we, if they started that earlier, we would have been uh, in a much better place now in the season.
0: Yeah, but, you know, to, to Nor- Norvell's credit is, you know, maybe this lit the fire under Ty Genji that he needed. And uh, as a quarterback, you think there's some complacency maybe. I'm not saying that happened to Ty. I'm just saying that being benched, sometimes that leads to a little bit of fire lit underneath you, and then you kind of play lights out from there. So uh, either way, it's worked out pretty well for, for Ty. He's been playing really well at a high level, and it's really exciting to watch. I love tracking the games because he's putting up
2: monster numbers. Speaking of uh, Norvell, when you were in your, when you were in your off season, did you have a chance to speak to Coach Norvell and this new coaching staff? Yeah, I did. I, I did a couple alumni um, events, and I got to
0: speak with Coach Norvell frequently, and, and all the coaching staff. And I think that that the University of Nevada did a great job of picking him. He is such a personable person, someone that you can easily talk to. Uh, ask questions and he's upfront and honest and that's what you want in the head coach you want someone who you can trust someone who's going to be upfront with you and I think what I like most about him and especially uh, coach mummy is their riverboat gambling aspects of football how they go for it on fourth down they pull out trick plays and that's what's exciting especially for fans and, and people who played there obviously we, we love watching that kind of football as those trick plays coming out of the you know, the bottom of the play-call sheet and going forward on fourth and one in your own territory, that's fun to
2: watch. That's fun football. Do you wish you played in the air-raid-style offense? Uh, yeah,
0: I, I I think about that all the time. But, you know, I was blessed enough to have some great coaches and obviously learn from the pistol guru, Coach All. And I think my skill set better suit the true pistol offense than the air-raid r- offense.
1: You know, and and while we're on we're talking about coaches and stuff, I want to take a flashback to 2009 for you when you were on a reality TV show called The Ride. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah,
0: um it's an experience that I would like to forget. It was just an interesting <laughs> overall thing. Uh they flew I I flew out to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and i didn't know really what i was getting myself into i knew it was kind of football but i didn't know at the time it was a reality tv show i just thought it was like a football camp and then i get there and there's all these cameras and people are putting makeup on me and i'm just like whoa i did not i did not think i signed up for this so anyways we go through the whole camp and i just remember them coming to me and another kid and they're like this is for underrated quarterbacks and we think that you guys are going to end up getting scholarships when you guys uh after you play your senior year so they're like we're going to have to cut you guys but we're going to have to give a reason to cut you guys and we don't want it to be your talent so i'm like this is the hollywood aspect of it right the business side of it so i remember i got i got cut for they said that I got too involved in the cameras and the microphones that I wasn't focused on football. But in reality, they told me and another kid who ended up starting at Georgia by the name of Hudson Mason that we were too good to finish out the show because they would know who was going to win the show, either myself or Hudson. So it was just really weird, and, and it, it kind of played the politics aspect of football, which you never want to be a part of.
1: Yeah, what a strange aspect that that is. You got They were making uh... – you quit the show because uh, of some phony stuff. That's weird.
0: Yeah, it was like, they well, because it's all about ratings, right? And yeah. so they said, our ratings are going to go down if we have two kids that are obviously going to make it to the end. They're like, this is supposed to be a true underdog story about a guy from a small school. And so, you know, and I just said, you guys got to do what you got to do. Just don't make me look like an idiot on pretty much on national television.
2: We saw the trailer for this, and it was... I, I, corny is an understatement <laughs> yes yeah,
0: definitely an yeah, MTV no show well that was the that was the first year they did it so it was the inaugural season so I'm sure they worked out a lot of kinks I think it went for maybe four years four or five years so they had a decent run but I was a part of the first one so I actually don't think they knew how corny that they were trying to make it but um, from what I've heard that it got better as the years progressed
1: well, I, I I love to see that uh, you were on a show called The Ride because that's kind of how your career has been. It's been a ride. You led the Wolfpack to three bowl games, signed with the Raiders, then was cut, got signed to the Toronto Argonauts, was cut again, and then picked back up in 2016, and now you're the starting quarterback. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's
0: uh... yeah, the ride is the best, best way to put it. It's been an emotional roller coaster. Um, there's been times where I thought I wouldn't play anymore. And then there's been times when I thought, you know, maybe I would be an NFL superstar. And through it all, I've been humbled and I've been blessed both uh, by the game. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for all those ups and downs. And that's what football is, right? It teaches you not only about on the field stuff, but life lessons on the off the field. And for me, I've learned so much just through this journey. Uh, Many of us call each other journeymen because I remember there was, uh, let's see, after I got cut from the Raiders, I pretty much had a suitcase packed by my uh, in my house by my door that at any given moment I was going to get called. And, you know, I flew Jacksonville and I threw, I remember I flew to Jacksonville for a workout. I threw 10 passes and they said, you know what, we're not going to sign anybody. And I flew back. And this was like all in a matter of a day. And then I remember I flew out to New York and I had a uh, workout with the Giants and, same thing i threw maybe like 20 25 balls they're like oh we're gonna sign a tight end and then i flew back so you know i always had to have a bag packed and, and that's part
2: of football but ultimately right now i'm I'm playing football for money and, and i can't complain that's an easy way to rack up uh, those travel points <laughs> flying yeah. out for workouts
0: oh no doubt i got a couple free flights from that luckily they're southwest but when you fly to canada um you can't fly southwest, so I don't get any of my points. Unfortunately, uh, flying to Canada.
1: So now that we're talking about Canada, what is it like being in the CFL? Can you give us a little bit of a uh, of a lesson on what's the difference between the CFL and the NFL?
0: Yeah, I mean the rule the rule changes are are big. Um, first off, there's only three downs. There's not four downs. So in the NFL or in you know, southern in the the US, we call them in the South. But in the U.S., uh, you get four down, so you get kind of a burn down, or you can run the ball, or you can throw an incompletion and still be okay. But up here in Canada, if you throw an incompletion, or you try to run the ball and you get no yards, you're probably 80 to 85 percent chance of punting the next play. <clears throat> the field is bigger; it's 110 yards. The end zones are 20 yards, not 10, and it's 65 yards across as opposed to 53 and like a third. <clears throat> so it's kind of nice because, for me at least. Uh, Being a runner, when I get the edge, I have a a couple more yards where I can continue to run laterally before I can get vertically. And so that helps me out. And then uh, the other biggest rule change is it's 12 on 12, not 11 on 11. So I remember when I first came up here, I was taking some snaps, and I was like, Hey, coach, they got an extra guy on defense, and they're like, uh, no, it's 12 on 12. So I look like the dumb American asking all these questions about the CFL game. Clearly, I didn't know all the rules.
2: <laughs> did you have to read the rule book?
0: Yeah, I did. So then the coach is like, you know what, read the rule book. And I learned a lot of interesting rules, and now I consider myself a CFL guru. I, I, I figure out everything that's going on. I know what rules are in place and what situations are needed. And so it it's a lot of fun to learn a completely, like, the same game, but a completely different way.
1: Does it feel like a totally different game, or does it feel really natural still? <laughs> it is
0: super fast. Um, so the play clock is 25 seconds as opposed to 40 seconds in uh, in the U.S. So pretty much you snap a play, you get called down, and you got to run pretty much called them the next play and run to the line and get it off. <clears throat> so I know a lot of my family and friends who watch the CFL, they enjoy it a lot more. They find it a lot faster pace. Uh, There's more points because the field's bigger, so it's harder for the defense. And the receivers get a waggle, which is basically a running start. And so it's really hard for defenders to stop that. So a lot more big, explosive plays, less running the ball, more passing the ball. And there's no fair catch rule. So every single punt is caught and there's a return.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so the waggle, they do that in um, arena football as well. And, that's, yep, a, and exactly. that's a weird game, too, because the field's only 50 yards long, and it it takes nothing to run down the field.
0: Yeah, so pretty much every play, you can strike the end zone in, in the arena football league. The thing about uh, the waggle is, as a quarterback, as long as the two outside receivers are on the line of scrimmage, everyone else can be in motion. So up here, I feel like sometimes I'm a traffic cop, just directing traffic, because all these guys are in motion, and i got to figure out you know who's got to go where, and then time out the snap.
1: Well, it does sound like a really different game. I've got to actually uh watch a couple of (coughs) CFL games because I've heard that they're really exciting and I like the the up tempo ness of the only the 25 second uh play clock.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean we get a ton of plays snapped and and there's less commercials, which is always great for the viewer. And there's more points. Everyone wants to see points. No one wants to see, you know, a seven to ten game. There's always gonna be points scored. So, yeah, I mean, if if you guys haven't or know someone who hasn't seen it, turn on some CFL and, and enjoy yourself.
1: How is life playing in the CFL? Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy playing uh, in Canada? Or do you long to to come to the NFL?
0: Yeah, you know, as a kid, you grow up, especially in the U.S., and you want to play in the NFL – but the thing I like most about the CFL is no one has a $100 million contract. No one's tied to money. So the best guys will play, and the best guys get the opportunity to play. And if you're not performing, someone else is going to come in and get that opportunity. In the NFL, you can be stuck behind a guy who's making more money than you, even though you might be better than him, uh, all because they're paying this guy X amount of dollars. they got to keep him on the roster. So that's that's one of the things I like most is all of the guys up here have similar contracts. And you're able to get the best opportunity to play as opposed to the NFL.
1: I like that, too. Because there's a lot, as you said before, there's a lot of politics in football. And do you not really see that as much in the CFL? No, not as much. You, you see a little bit,
0: obviously, because it's still a business. So you're going to still see some of the business aspects of the politics. But for the most part, uh, we're not dealing with millions and millions of dollars. So the business side of it isn't as prevalent as it is in the NFL.
2: What are the stadiums like in the CFL? Are they like these big, like fancy domes like you see like in the NFL? With uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas, you got the MetLife Stadium in New York. The the new domes they're building in LA and Vegas. Yeah. Um, You know the the stadiums here are awesome. I think they range
0: from about thirty-five thousand to like eighty-five thousand. So it it all depends on where you go. There's only one dome in the CFL, so there's nine teams. There's only one dome, and that's in Vancouver. Other than that, everywhere else you play outside. So some, during these late games, you're going to play in some cold weather, some snow games, some rain games. Uh, but there are a lot of beautiful venues. Um, uh, the CFL is actually older than the NFL, which is one of my fun facts that I like to tell people. We are on our, I believe, 104th Grey Cup and the NFL is only on like their 53rd Super Bowl or 54th Super Bowl or something like that. So if you think about it, you know, that's 50 years of just a difference and the CFL being older. So maybe the NFL took a lot of this, uh style from the CFL since they're the innovators.
1: Well, I never do that. That is a really fun fact. That's cool. Yeah. Um, What are the fans like for the CFL? I mean, we know there's... Everyone in the states is pretty much a football fan. What is it like in Canada? Because their big sport is hockey. Do people still come out to CFL games? Yeah,
0: you know they still those crazy fans, and and like I said, the history is so strong um, that it's so old that there's just so many fans that have been brought up just watching CFL football. And the Toronto Argonauts have actually have a lot of rich tradition. We were once owned by Wayne Gretzky and John Candy. They were dual owners, which is kind of cool to have two guys like that on the team. but uh, the, the, the fans are great, you know're they're, they're awesome. they're always all about the team and it's fun to play at certain venues. you're going to play at your rivals, which our rivals Hamilton, and there's fans are going to curse you out and they're going to say bad things to you and, and that's what football is, and that's what a, a tough environment is, but it's all in fun.
2: Being in Toronto, have you immersed yourself in the sports in the sports culture with the Raptors, the Maple Leafs? Yeah, I have. I've been able to go to every single major
0: sports uh, event in Toronto. So I've been to Blue Jays games. I've been to the Raptors game. I've been to the Maple Leafs game. And I've been to the Toronto FC games. So I've been able to watch all the uh, major sports. And, and it is a sports town, like you said. There's always something going on or some team going on. And it is a lot of fun to go from venue to venue and, and watch different sports. And it's all in the same vicinity of, of each other. And I've had a lot of fun doing that.
1: What do you, Where do you see yourself in the CFL? Do you have any, like, big hopes and dreams? Do you want to win a Grey Cup? Uh, what are you expecting out of this?
0: Yeah, you know, a Grey Cup would be nice. Just need to get the fancy ring and stuff. But uh, for me, my contract's up at the end of the year. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, maybe get some NFL tryouts because I know there's been a, a few injuries to quarterbacks. And uh, I guess you know my off season off season's is all in the hands of God and, and whatever happens happens. I know that he's got the best interest for me. And personally, I, I would love to get another opportunity in the NFL, but I don't mind playing another ten years in the CFL because I've loved it so
2: much. Once you're once the off season hits, you you come back to Reno, right? Instead of going back down to Orange County. Correct. Yes any reason why um you know i orange county one was just too expensive
0: and i couldn't deal with the um i couldn't deal with the traffic and all the people and i just loved reno so much when i was there i met my girlfriend uh now who's we've been together for 4 years we have a house together and we got ourselves a dog so and i also have my um quarterback training company that I run out of Reno where I got about 30 quarterbacks 30 to 35 quarterbacks that I train in the off-season. so it keeps me busy and it's a place where I can kind of rest and not feel the anxiety of having to do something all the time or be stuck in traffic I can get anywhere in Reno in 15 minutes
1: what's it like running a, a quarterback training camp
0: it's pretty fun you know I, I do I specialize in private one-on-one training so I, I don't ever hold like a big camp with a mass amount of kids. So usually I just go one on one, and I think it's cool because uh, Nevada Reno especially has never never seen I don't think anything like that where they've had specialized quarterback training. And there's a lot of good football players in in Reno, and I just want to. That's one of my ways I want to give back and and use my talents that I've had and that I've been given to kind of pass on to younger kids. And it's a lot of fun to watch these young guys throw the football around because they're all getting so much bigger, stronger, faster. And and it's pretty remarkable to see these guys throw the ball.
1: Wow, that's incredible. I love that you're giving back to the community and that you still live here in Reno. You're keeping your roots here while still going off and uh, competing in the CFL.
0: That's great. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, like I said, Reno is my home now, and I got a Nevada license, so I'm officially a Reno native.
1: That's Awesome. Well, Cody, we're not going to keep you much longer. Uh, We wanted to thank you again so much for joining us on the show and uh, taking time away from your retreat.
0: Yeah. Yeah, guys, hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Any way I can help, if you guys want to do this again sometime, please let me know. I'm glad we were able to work this out.
1: Yeah, maybe when you come back, we'll have you actually in the studio and we can uh, meet face-to-face. Yeah, let's do that for sure. I'll be back in
0: December, so we'll link up for sure.
1: All right, we'll keep in touch. Thank you again, Cody. Enjoy the rest of your retreat. Thanks, Cody. Thank you, guys. You too. See ya. What an honor it was to have such an iconic figure join us on Pack Center, And I can't wait until he's back in town so we can have him in the studio. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Burns here with Garrett Hirschberg. Tune into Center on Thursday on SoundCloud and iTunes podcast whenever, wherever, or on Wolfpack Radio Thursday at 1 p.m. Follow us on Twitter at PacCenterNV, Instagram at PacCenterNevada, and Facebook, Pack Center Nevada. From the Rail School of Journalism at the University of Nevada, go Wolfpack!